It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. There is some sort of odd poetic justice in that I do think that is a pretty accurate portrayal of what I imagine Thomas Jefferson feels about himself, except in the body and voice of a black man, which would drive him fucking insane. And so I, I do think there's something lovely about that. Very, there's a whole, there's a whole like Twilight Zone moment there that's going on there that gives me a, a lot of joy. David Diggs still chuckles at the idea of playing Thomas Jefferson as cool in the landmark musical Hamilton. I'm Janelle Riley. On this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talked to David Diggs about the lasting impact of Hamilton, which is in the awards hunt this year for the film version of the musical currently on Disney+. We also discussed Diggs' busy roster, which includes Showtime's The Good Lord Bird and TNT's Snowpiercer. Additionally, in this episode, we speak to Alan S. Kim, the young actor who just won a Critics' Choice Award for his role in Minari. But first, on the Awards Circuit Roundtable, we go through our final predictions for this year's Oscar nominations. It's all on the latest edition of Variety's Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Variety Awards Circuit. I'm Clayton Davis, Film Awards Editor here at Variety, joined today with Jazz Tanke. Oh, hello. Oh, Ooh, my gosh, the you swapped. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Michael Schneider. Oh. Hey, 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 kids, cats and kittens, <laughs> and oh, happy, happy one year anniversary of Tiger King. <laughs> Is it really? Just about it? right, because oh, uh, yeah. it's, it's sort of coincided with the quarantine, right? So, oh. and, and happy one year of quarantine. Uh, oh my yeah. god! Sorry, sorry, sorry to stop things. Yeah. To start things off. <laughs> and 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 then that happiness, Janelle Riley. <laughs> How do you do, my fellow film nerds? What were you saying, uh, Jess? I thought Michael was just going to go in and be Tiger King PGA nominee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jazz, you pointed that out. Yeah, big, big uh, Producers Guild nominee, Tiger King. You know I <laughs> never finished that series? What? I got th- I got three episodes in and I was like, all right, I get it. Ha ha, let's laugh at the funny people. And uh, and I was done with. And one the one thing about the quarantine this year, extending through uh, Halloween, it spared us so many bad Tiger King costumes. Oh yeah, true. This is true. I mean, listen. I mean, we there's still 2021. I, like that's gonna come. Like they're gonna. Nope. Do it's it. gonna be all promising young woman people in nurses' outfits with cool wigs. Oh, and you're nails. talking about our immediate circle. 
No, no, I'm just in general, <laughs> just in general. <laughs> you, you know, the inspiration for that was a blow up doll. I can, I can believe that. that. By the way, uh, Mike Schneider, what's going on with the, with the jaunty headgear today? Do you, you, you oh, having a bad hair day? I have not showered, so I'll just oh. be honest. It's things are falling apart. <laughs> um, I mean, you could be like Jazz and shower twice a day. What a weirdo! I know. Hey, Def- definitely the no cleanest one of all of us. Quarantine yeah. clean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have to we have to preface this, guys. We don't know what the DGA nominations are. We don't know what the BAFTA is. Well, I, I, I know the TV DJ nomination. Oh, yeah, so. that's true. That's right. <laughs> well, yes. Oh, and there, were um, doc, and there were docs in there, too. Yeah. In the DJ. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the, the big, uh, you know, one of the big things with the DJ is because of the eligibility period, WandaVision got in there. So Fantastic. So we got WandaVision's Yay. first uh, awards love. So nominated in limited series, uh, which is kind of a hodgepodge of a, a category because Hamilton's in there too because it's a, a TV movie. It's going to be Hamilton. Got, it's going to be Hamilton versus Queen's Gambit versus Small Acts versus WandaVision at the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Versus uh, yeah. I May Destroy You. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I was going to say. Yeah. So this is, is going to be a tough, tough category Emmy-wise. That's It's going to be impossible because uh, everything's, I mean, everything deserves a, a win. Everything deserves mm-hmm. a trophy. So how do you decide? We'll have to worry about that in the coming months. Yeah. Uh, Critics' Choice Awards were this weekend. We can just quickly uh, reflect that Nomadland did its thing there. Uh, nothing crazy happened with the exception of Janelle. What? Uh, what? Sorry, I nodded off for a second. Maria, what was the crazy thing that happened? Baca. But oh. why is that crazy? Why, why is that crazy? She's been scooping I, I, I up th- critics' I awards. She, I thought Yu Jung Yoon was going to beat her. Yeah, points. I mean, look, I can. St- I still think it's probably a three-person race between Glenn Close, Yu Jung Yoon, and Maria Bakalova in supporting. But so many people are shocked that Maria Bakalova continues to get nominations and wins. Like, at at what point does it stop being a shock when she wins right. the Oscar? Mm-hmm. I genuinely don't understand yeah. it. No, no, I, the nomination is like because the the category is so fluid right now, and I I only feel good that Olivia Coleman is going to be there. And then With everyone that, else. Same here. And the funny yeah. thing is, I don't expect Olivia Coleman to win, but I think she's the only one assured a nomination. <laughs> same way I feel about Frances McDormand and lead actress. By the way, we are, we're burying the lead here because this is a Ted Lasso fan cast. Oh, and of yeah. course, Ted Lasso yes. won the big award. Ted Lasso last night. Won. Believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you, Clayton. Um, that, and. and <laughs> And Hannah Waddingham. That was that was purely for Mike Schneider. 100% for Mike Schneider only. <laughs> Pulled some oh, strings man. there. Um, and we're also, by the way, an Alan Kim fan cast. Uh, yes. What an adorable yes. little kid. Yeah. Mike, we should reset it our own children and just try to get them to... St- become alan kim oh I, I showed i showed my youngest uh video of alan kim and then basically was like be more like him yeah, I, did. I did not because i'm a good parent i did not but <laughs> i told my kids like i'm starting over um, i really yeah. I, I really hope that some of this momentum pushes alan kim into the supporting actor race where he's belonged all along mm. um i know he's young but he so deserves to be there yeah all right so with that, we get into some final predictions. We're not going to go through all 23 categories because we don't want this to be really long. But I think we're all going to agree and disagree and a whole bunch of stuff on, on things. So this is how it stands today. But my final predictions will be 
cemented tomorrow morning after we learn TGA and BAFTA. Anything crazy you're predicting? Or, uh, you know? I'm still going to leave. Well, let's talk about PGA. News of the World missed. News of the World and The Father, which was the, a heartbreaker. I knew, the yeah. fa- I knew The Father. I felt good that The Father would miss. Like, I knew they. But it's going to be really a, a European swell is going to come in for that. And I think that's what gets it into picture. Um, News of the World missing was ginormous. Like, yeah, it, it's too that bad. Was a, it's such a good movie. That was that was a ding. And now I pulled it out of picture. So I, I'm predicting nine, even though I'm really telling myself I think there's going to be like seven. But I'm predicting nine, and I think I'm going to have The Father, Judas, Ma Rainey, Minati, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Promise Young Woman, Sound of Metal. Charlotte Chicago Seven. You do not see Borat's subsequent movie film making the top. Uh, he, it is my number eleven, I think. Mm. I, I think it, it, it can. I was it very can. happy I, to see it on the PGA list. Yeah, yeah. If, very it was, if, it was, if it was a year, if it was a straight ten, I would feel so much better about it. But you know, uh, you talking about one or two being number one or two on ballots is uh, is tricky. But I do have it in adapted screenplay. And Maria, oh, great. and Maria, and Maria, I have in supporting actress. So, I think I'll have a pretty good day. Uh, for Mank above the line, interesting is that I don't have Fincher in director. Really? Yeah, but I came back to Amanda in supporting actress. And that's yeah. Who a, do you think she displaces? Is the question. Ooh. So I have. I have Maria Bakalova, Olivia Coleman, Dominique Fishback, Amanda, and Yu Jung Yoon. I mean, that's a great lineup. I do think Amanda gets in. So are you saying Amanda and Dominique get in at the expense of Helena Zengel? And Glenn Close. Oh, you have Glenn Close missing. You know, the only th- way I can see Glenn Close missing is if people say, we're not going to ultimately vote for her for the win, so why put her through that? But and that's I just, exactly where I yeah, am. Yeah, and I, it's like what they did with Amy Adams in Arrival. But I have to reiterate, I still think Glenn Close can win this. I, I do think it's down to those three yeah. actresses I mentioned previously. It, it, it is a weird year, but there's no precedent for... I mean, listen, we're, we're, there's no precedent for anything we're doing right now. But she, her win... Her winning usually comes, like, in a seasonal coronation. Like, you win everything. Now, she technically kind of already had that, but then ended up losing in the end to Olivia Coleman. So maybe that could could account for why it's not happening. But I, I feel like she's Julianne Moore, a single man year. Like, uh. the, or, or, or Oprah Winfrey in The Butler. Like, if you're not going to do it, don't put her there. So that's that's where I am. I have a question. Do you yep. not see Jodie Foster getting in because of I've, her? I've, oh, good point. I, I've circled Jodie for a while, and I think, oh god, she's right there. Uh, I think it was just. I think it was a little smidge too late. I don't think. I just don't think enough people have seen the movie. That's what it, I don't think it's a, a quality thing. I just don't think enough people have seen it to get her in. Which is why you put Dominique in. Because Judas is sur- yeah. Judas is surging, and Daniel Kaluuya is winning supporting actor. Yeah. I do agree that Amanda Seyfried is getting in. Um, I think her missing SAG was just kind of a weird anomaly. (laughs) Sorry, I haven't had my coffee yet. Uh, A weird anomaly. Um, But I don't know who she displaces. Because I I also have a good feeling about Dominique Fishbeck as well. So it's really hard to say. I see Amanda displacing Ellen Burstyn. 
But Ellen hasn't really been yeah. in the lineup. I mean, she, she was there at Critics' yeah, she Choice, didn't, but... She didn't yeah. make Globe or SAG, which honestly is kind of shocking to me. She's so wonderful in that I mean, and I, I, listen, I'm really worried about Vanessa Kirby. Like, I don't... Like, she's she's my number five. And, like, I think she could... Because Andrew winning, I think, leapfrogged her into, like, the number three or four spot, depending on how you read into it. But, um... I, I don't know. Like Vanessa Kirby's vulnerable, but I, but again, I I can't think of who takes her spot. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing as clear. I, I mean, it would have to be like some people say Sophia Loren, which makes sense, but Sophia Loren hasn't popped up anywhere. Um, and if she does, do uh, yeah, just I don't I don't know. And then uh, Yidi Han, I think it's just Minari's also surging. I don't know. She can do it. I think that's what helps it in song, though, because she sings the song. Do you have um, Andre Day as one of your five? I do. Best actress, you do. Oh. I do. Yeah. So uh, let me. So actor. Let me just go through this real quick. Actor. I have Riz, Chadwick, Anthony, Gary Oldman, Stephen Young. I have the SAG five. I think. I think that's safe. I still think Mads Mikkelsen can. I'm gonna get really yeah. mad if it happens because I felt that swelling. Yeah, people not only love another round; they love Mads. I know. I, and I, 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 yeah, it's. Oh, I, he's I see a lot it. Of love. Don't talk me yeah. out of it. I'll go, I'll go back to it. I'll go back to Mads. Please don't do it. Stay with the sack five. God, yeah, it's just it's safe. Go with the sack Stay five. Stay with the sack five. Uh, actress: uh, Andra, Viola, Vanessa, Francis, Carrie. So I think that's like the standard five that's been out there. Who do you um, think threatens the that the fifth slot? Because we have the SAG five, except for Andre Day. Uh, I think the upset pick is. If I, gun to my head, I think it's Sophia Loren, maybe. Just like as an establishment kind of vote, but I, I don't, I don't, I can't say for sure. Mm. Um, upset actor upset pick is you know it could be Mads. I think, I think it actually could be Tahar Rahim also. That's interesting. I think I think it could be, but it's interesting that you don't think Joe, enough people have seen it to vote for Jody. Which is which is why I don't yeah. have Tahar. If I if I had Jody, I think I would have went with Tahar. I think that was my mindset. I think they're a package deal, weirdly, but I just I, I didn't pull the trigger. Uh, supporting actor, there's three assured names: Sasha Baron Cohen, Daniel Kaluuya, Leslie Odom Jr. Um, and then I pulled in Paul Racy and David Strathairn. I think he's our. Surprise WTF of the morning. Do you think, sorry, just backing up a second to yep. Best Actress, do you think that Robin Wright has any shot? I loved Land so much. I don't yeah. hear many people talking about it. I don't know if that's because it just came out. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's, it was late. It was really, really late. I love Land. It's a shame that too. didn't get as much love as it should have gone. I think yeah. Jared Leto is going to get in Best Supporting Actor. You think, you think Jared, uh, you, think you read yeah. into it? Yeah. Oh, wait. I mean, why no. wouldn't he? Globe, SAG. I mean, yeah, yeah. he has everything. You know, oh, it's, it's a he, showy role. Yeah. You know, he's been working the circuit. He's an Academy Award winning actor. I yeah. feel. I like also feel it, like people haven't seen the movie a lot too. I like been. I was like hitting the phones a lot this weekend and zooms, trying to like get get where everyone. This was such a catch up weekend. Everybody was like catching up on stuff. Um, the big one is director. Get ready for this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I have uh, Lee Isaac Chung, Emerald Fennell, 
Aaron Sorkin, Chloe Zhao, and I think I'm just setting myself up for failure, but Regina King. I think you're four out of five correct. I do think Fincher gets in. I think Fincher gets in. Fincher instead of who, Regina? I don't know. I hesitate to say. (laughs) I'm going to say Fincher instead of Regina. I just don't trust the DGA letting three women in. That's just my... You made Clayton cry. to that. I know. I was just actually, I was thinking over the weekend, Fincher instead of Emerald. See that I could see that I could see Fincher over Sorkin. I could like. It's definitely going to be one of the women. Know. It's going to be one of the women th- for one sure. One of the women gets sacrificed. Yeah. yeah, Sorkin. I agree. Chloe will be in. I just feel like the there's yeah. Mike, you have a D, Mike, you have a DGA membership, right? You can vote. <laughs> exactly. Do you really? Yeah. No, I don't no, know. No, Probably no. not. Um, <laughs> but I was going to say um, Spike Lee. Any any shot? I think the. I, yeah, I, listen, I think Delroy is still on the table for actor. I think he is. I don't know. I don't think the Five Bloods is going to get as much of the hump. I mean, listen, SAG helped a lot. So the actor's branch helps. So Chadwick is obviously on the table, but I don't think it's going to do anything outside of those two probable spots. I had um, hopes that maybe a Florian Zeller could get into director, but not the, the father not showing up on PGA sort of discourages me. Um, I always feel like there's one pick that directors like specifically point to. It could be another round. You know, sometimes it's a foreign film. Sometimes it's just a film that is so clearly a director's piece. But then again, that might be David Fincher this year. I mean, you you think of the Ben Zeitlins, the Pedro Almodovar's, the Mike Lee's for Vera Drake. Like there's there's just like, you know, I mean, Bennett Miller for Foxcatcher. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes they just... I would say Paul Greengrass, but I, I don't know yeah, what's after happening today, with the world. I, after today, yeah. but I, I hadn't predicted, I still haven't predict, predicted to get DGA. Again, this is recorded before that, so if he's there, then maybe I, I still come back to that. Uh, screenplay, two screenplay categories. Original is, I have Judas Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7. I think that feels standard. I think that's probably a pretty solid lineup, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mank as the alternate. Oh, I keep forgetting Mank as original. I know that sounds silly, but yeah. um, gosh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a good yeah. six there. Yeah. Maybe Palm Springs? Maybe. Why not? We don't, we don't even really know who the Academy voting body is anymore. I know, right? That's true. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, ju- we keep- just said we just said we just said Mike Schneider was in DGA, so that's probably all yeah, of them. So, <laughs> why don't we just yeah. go ahead and say Clayton's in the WGA? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're all part of the different branches. Uh, yeah, did you just say branches like a I just say branches. I said it just like you. Branches. <laughs> this is we like hang out with jazz for a while, and we, yeah. Yeah, we start to sound cultured. It's it's great. Uh, what, what were you saying before jazz? You were saying that you were wondering about something else. Oh no, Judas and the Black Messiah. Could that? Get in, given the PGA level. Oh, I mean, it's that's my number five. By the way, the, the morning that this comes out, Thursday, Thursday evening, Clayton and I will be moderating panels with the WGA-nominated writers. Clayton is doing Adapted, and I'm doing Original, which is actually kind of funny, because I feel like all our favorites <laughs> are like, you've got Borat. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Swap. So we just have to no, make sure no, we name I'm drop. E- we're gonna name drop each other in the middle of it, though. Just be like I'll just be like Janelle for no reason. Just say the yeah. name. 
Start by introducing Sasha Baron Cohen by apologizing for not being me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sasha. I am not Janelle Riley today. <laughs> um, yes, and then adapted. Also a little competitive. I have Borat, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, The White Tiger. Oh, I'm, I'm going with a big uh, surprise miss for Ma Rainey for The White wow, Tiger. Wow, that is bold. That's... You think they're going to snub August Wilson? Well, he when that film is doing so like oh like it, surpassing yeah. expectations, got the PGA nom today, which I yeah. always figured it would. Think George C. Wolfe could be a contender for director. He might be the 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 yes. outside director pick. Yeah, mm. well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I I think there's like a good eight or nine in adapted yeah. screenplay. You know, News of the World could still make it in. It got WGA. What nomination will make you happiest the morning? Of the knobs. Uh, Tahar Rahim and Dominique Fishback, if either of those happened. Or anything for Palm Springs. <laughs> this is a Palm Springs podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like most of the things I want to see nominated are going to happen. But yeah, I my really... name's Janelle. I get my way all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly how it is. Look, I'm still traumatized from the farewell shutout, okay? Oh, yeah, so, so I deserve this. Yeah. Um, what I'm really rooting for is both Eurovision and Borat's subsequent movie film to get recognized in song. Oh. I, I feel like Eurovision's right there. Yeah. It's right there. I don't know if I'm predicting it yet, though. I don't think so. And then I have some crazy predictions that probably just aren't going to happen, so I shouldn't even put them out there. But Any other ballsy picks you guys are making? I don't know. I wonder if I'm thinking of ending things gets in. (gasps) I have it in cinematography. Yes, that's a good place. Lucas Zal's cinematography. Yep, Cold War. It happened. Yep. Um, I have Over the Moon Missing Animated. What do you see missing for over the? What do you see replacing over the moon? Then I I can see that happening. I have Sean the sheep. Oh, Farmageddon! Wow. Did enough? Did enough people see that Sean the sheep? I feel like that's sort of. I mean, people saw it last year when it was nominated at BAFTA. And didn't the first one get nominated for yes. Sean the Sheep movie? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did it? Yeah, they have a quiet but mighty following. That's Ardman, right? Is that the? The Arden yeah. folks? I think mm-hmm. so. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm predicting uh, Crude's too, because the first Crude's got nominated also. I was going to say the Crude's gets in, and that's where we would see Over the Moon Miss Out. Uh, and then I'm trying to think. I have Promising a Woman getting in costumes, and I feel like I'm going to regret doing that because I feel like that's too much of a perfect world uh, to live in. To win or getting in? No, just getting in. No, okay. <laughs> I was going to be like, whoa, that's bold. Yeah. Okay. Best sound has to go to sound of metal, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. That means it's sound is in the title, so yeah. I've got just that's where I'm putting my money. Sound of <laughs> metal. That is your reminder. Didn't help sounder. Oh, um, Mulan in costumes. I have two. Oh, mm-hmm. I loved Mulan. Yeah, that can happen. Birds of prey in makeup. Birds of prey can happen with Pinocchio. Pinocchio got has done really well with the guild. So I can see that getting in. I wouldn't be surprised if Wonder Woman got in on sound. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. I'm just looking. It's showing up. It's showing up. I know. Uh, Visual effects. I think we're going to get our first documentary. Welcome to Chechnya. And I think we're going to get another animated film in there with Soul. And I think uh, Blizzard of Souls is going to get an original score. And we'll have a woman composer nominated. 
I think that's uh, all she wrote. Unless you guys have something really interesting in there. No, Unless I keep guys... freezing up, so I'm afraid what I may have agreed you're or not afraid, agreed you're with. You're afraid to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. It'll be like those, you know, uh, 5G commercials where it's like, I agree, music is the best movie of the year. The, have we still the, seen that or no? No. Nope. I actually don't even know where I could, I, I don't know where I could see it. Like, I don't know, if, is it just on, I think I've seen clips of it on YouTube, but not the whole thing. Uh, you could go to Sia's house. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Yeah. We all do, we all do hang I'll out. Get you, I'll get you sorted out on that. No, you don't have to, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, actually, last one, to, uh, original, original song and documentary feature. Song, do you think it's Diane Warren's here? I, after the Critics' Choice, I don't know. I, I've been in that lane for the longest time, but I feel Speak Now after yesterday got a huge bump. It's going to be a fight. Janelle? I, um, am, uh, again, froze up. So I'm, mm. <laughs> I just, just like to reiterate my love for Husevik and uh, Wuhan Flu. I, I just want to see them nominated. I, 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 part of me almost hopes they aren't both nominated because how would I choose between my children like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Doc. Doc is so hard. So Doc hard. Doc is hard. Yeah. Uh, Truffle I, Hunters is probably getting in. I Can I make a prediction? I think Truffle Hunters wins. I, yeah. I don't... I, it, it feels like it's too good and too much the front runner to win, <laughs> if that makes sense. They like to slap away, you know. That's that's why I think time is vulnerable. Mm, time is so good. Dick Johnson is dead is so good. Yeah, I don't think Dick Johnson's getting in and it's going to kill me. Oh, I'm really upset I, about yeah. it. I think time is done, and I think this is where Welcome, uh, not welcome to Chechnya, the Truffle Hunters takes over. Like, this is, the, this is where we're at. That switch. I'll nominate for DGA along with... Uh... Boy State, Welcome to Chechnya, My Octopus Teacher, The Painter and the Thief. Painter and the Thief. That's a sleeper. That's a sleeper. I think all the political docs are done. I just kind of feel yeah. that way. Like Boy State and All In, I don't think are making it. Really? Because we've cured everything? Yeah. Like Trump is sense. gone. Yeah. Just, so yeah. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> all, but, but weirdly, it's because Biden won. I think they're done. I do feel like they've done a really good job in, in st- promoting Boy State. Like that, that's it's one so where good. people are still talking mm-hmm. about it and, and uh, it's still getting nominations. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hedge, hedge your bets. I agree. I think there's been a shift. Like I went out on Saturday, went to Santa Monica and there's just this shift in the air. Like more people are out, people. I, I think the political docs have, that boat has sailed because there's more optimism Mm-hmm. My uh, two sleepers there are 76 days in the mole agent. Those are the two I included because we're still in the pandemic and I feel like that will hit around that bat, bat around. It's not the, it's not the mole agent. Cause I'm really looking for love. What happens when this pandemic ends? Do we have to do this in person? Do we have to all like, get in a I room don't together? Know. Jessica asked me that the other day. She was like, do you guys have to do this in person when everything's back to normal? And I was like, I don't know. I've never seen all three of us in the same, all four of us, just four of us. I know how to count. I've never seen the four of us in the same room before. So I don't know what that feels like. Well, that's because Jazz and I are the same person. <laughs> essentially. I just, I just adopt a, 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 a put upon accent in order <laughs> oh, no. to assume my new persona. Mike, I have to prepare myself. How tall are you? I am. I am. Oh my gosh! Seven feet tall. 
Nice. Awesome. Well, How tall are you? You're a good height. Like No, I'm, I'm average. I'm like 5'10". Really? I'm, five, I'm nothing. That's yeah. tall. I'm 5'9", yeah. so this isn't bad. I'm good with this. I'm 5'. Are you really? Yes. You seem taller. That's because you've always seen me in like five-inch yeah. heels. So stop, <laughs> stop wearing five-inch heels. Let's uh, talk about our weight now. Oh, <laughs> uh, I prefer I'll not to go answer. first. I'm, I'm, I'm still carrying a little holiday weight. I prefer not to answer. Well, it's, uh, like I tell people, I got the COVID-19. It's, yeah, uh, exactly. My yeah, dog totally. got the COVID-19. Wilbur put on 20 pounds. Did he really? pen- He needed to put on some weight because he was so scrawny when we found him. But like, I thought like maybe it was just me when I saw him. I was like, he's looking a little ch- like I don't want to body shame the dog, but he's looking a little chunky. And then he jumped on my lap, and I was like, oh, yep, he put weight on. Oh, not my not every dog needs to look like they're on you know Seventeen magazine. You know, it's funny you say that. There is a very famous actress who once body shamed. My dog, not what? not Wilbur, but a no. different dog. Yes, she took one look at her. This was a different dog, and said, "That one doesn't skip a meal." Wow. And I was like, "Yours." And then the the crazy thing is, two weeks later, my dad said the same thing about this dog. And I was like, "She was a big burly pit bull, you know." Um, and I was like, "What? How are, do you have anything in common with this like Hollywood actress who said the same thing?" Wow. <laughs> She was a big girl. She was. Uh, last thing, Mike, I want to end on. Can I just tell you? I am so enjoying Paramount Plus right now. Yes. Oh, look at this. Oh, my God. Brought to you by Paramount Plus. Because I no, I'm, I've watched The Real World all weekend. Because my, my wife was too, she was eight years old when, you know, they came out or whatever. So she had never seen, like, the first few seasons. And we were watching the season three with Pedro. It yeah. brought me such joy. Oh, the best season. Mm. Yeah. That's the best I, season, yes. yeah. San, San Francisco, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I, I just started watching the uh, Reunion series. Oh, um, I saw the first episode. Um, he looks so, <laughs> it's so bad. How, like, I, it made me feel so old. I was like, I'm like, like I'm not that far from them in age. Oh, tr- like, trust me. It's, it's you know, it's reminding me of my own mortality. Like, how are they all in their 50s now? Like, what happened? Oh, my gosh. 30 years. That's Crazy. Who's your favorite real worlder ever? Oh, favorite real worlder ever. That's a tough one. Because um, again, I, I I like the San Francisco cast. Um, did you watch all the way through, or did you stop at some point? I I stopped at some point. I can't remember what year, but I, I watched the a good like first decade. Uh, I, th- I think I stopped I... at. Uh, I think it might have been Hawaii. That's Tech and Ruthie. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think. That's when I like said. Stop. I applied for real real world when I was younger. Did you really? I did. I sent in a video. Oh my goodness. I did not get a call back. I, wow. Uh, I applied to do, uh, MTV used to do the VJ, want to be a VJ contest. Oh, really? <gasps> I, I applied to do that. That oh. would have been um, great. I applied for, do you remember the show Fanatic? Fanatic? Yeah, it was very brief. It was like you had to be the biggest fan of someone and they would bring and, you and on what, and introduce you. What were you the fan of? <laughs> oh, God, it's so embarrassing. What? I, I guess it's not that embarrassing. It was Ben Stiller. Oh no! Wow, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> did you hear all the thirsty tweets he got? Like, no, did he? All the Silver Fox, yeah. After the Globes, like he's he's turned into Silver Fox territory. Good for him. 
man. Can I just say, he's been gray a while, right? That wasn't new. Like, he's been no. gray for some time. He's been Everyone, going gray, yeah, but yeah. He, he really yeah. came out full, proud Silver Fox. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's squad goals now. Because I'm, I'm getting there, so I'm, I'm hoping to get, like, the... Yeah, in the coming years. Mike's reveal next week will be without a cap. Right. Like his silver <laughs> <laughs> We should all be wearing caps, I guess. We're, we're, we're all going to talk about our failed auditions next week in our try okay. to be famous. Yeah, I, pl- yeah, I played for Real, Real World and Survivor. I still want to be on Survivor. I got I earned $4,000 on a game show that no longer exists. Wait, $5,000? Yep. On what? What? Uh, it was called Smush. The idea was to take words like, um, uh, oh God, this is a terrible one, but this is the one I remember from the promo. Um, Steven Spielberg movie plus uh, Michael J. Fox condition. And the answer was Jurassic Parkinson's disease. Oh. So you would have to smush words together. I vaguely remember this show. Yes, yeah. and for the final round, <laughs> clearly it didn't last all that long. Yeah, so no, Janelle got no. canceled. Obviously, I think. Yeah, not like, as long I as think... bumper stumpers. Remember that game show where it was all about guests' uh, license plate? Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember. We that. did not so, get that in the UK. Janelle's frozen. I know. I have a fun not. game for you, Clayton. Before we go, two degrees of Ruth Carter. Pretty much every actor and director could can be linked to Ruth Carter because of her body of work yeah i saw that's 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 a thing yeah that's that's great all hail uh, ruth carter and uh mm-hmm. so so yeah so this week's episode uh we've got uh, all hail david diggs he's on everything wherever you turn it's david diggs uh, good lord bird hamilton um of, of course uh snowpiercer snowpiercer and uh, yeah, fa- that was even fun when they like announced the SAG nominations. And uh, I know he's going to be a part of the actual broadcast as well. So off we go to David Land. Onward and upward. It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Janelle Riley. David Diggs has been living with Hamilton since its first workshop in 2013. He won a Tony Award for his dual performance as Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson in 2016. And now in 2021, he finds himself up for a SAG Award for the film version of the show. It's a bit surreal considering he hasn't played the role in almost five years. I helped Lafayette draft a declaration, then I said I gotta go. Gotta be in Monticello, now the work at home begins. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Virginia, my home sweet home, I want to give you a kiss. Diggs is nominated for a SAG Award this year for Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Television Movie or Limited Series for Hamilton. But that's not his only awards turn this year. He was nominated for a Critics' Choice Award for portraying another historical figure, Frederick Douglass, in Showtime's The Good Lord Bird. In addition to Hamilton and Good Lord Bird, Diggs has been extremely busy as of late. He's currently shooting the third season of the TNT series Snowpiercer, is voicing Sebastian the Crab in Disney's live-action The Little Mermaid, and can be seen in a series of DoorDash advertisements with Sesame Street characters. I recently spoke with Diggs about his busy moment in time, and we started with how he seems to be everywhere. Most of these projects are things that I worked on before the world shut down, right? Uh... Or, like, right at the beginning of the shutdown. 
And then all of them happened to tumble out during the, the, the age of COVID and really most of them at the height of the thing. So I think it also like a lot of things got seen probably by more people than they would have otherwise because everyone was inside. But it's interesting to be so disconnected from the process of a mm-hmm. thing once people start seeing it, right? And particularly with the Hamilton thing, that was years ago. That's a totally different guy <laughs> in, that, uh, <laughs> in, that, in that show. Um, so to have it come out and to sort of revisit that time um, during this time, it's just, a, it's wild, man. It, it's it's cool. I think it's probably like a pretty rare experience, you know, and art is always viewed in the context of the time in which the viewer is viewing it. And so to have a show that we made that really like was on Broadway at the end of the Obama era to come out again towards the end of the Trump era and also when everything was shutting down, it's a, it's a different show now, you know, it hits different. I was thinking about that because you started Hamilton in 2015, maybe even earlier, because I believe there were workshops you were a part of. Yeah. And receiving a SAG nomination for it just this month, is it, it's got to be strange, but is, is it also kind of wonderful to still be talking about it all these years later? It's just nice to having perspective on it. It's like, uh, I don't know, it was like being proud of your kid that's like left the house and grown up and do it. It has a life totally outside of me, <laughs> right? Like being in a play is really like you make the thing every night. And so at that time, while we were shooting the thing, we were still doing the show every night, eight, you know, eight shows a week. So the, and, it, and it's very rare, I think, for a play to have a life once you are not required to make it every mm-hmm. night. But so it's interesting that this one does and it feels it's yeah, I'm I'm very proud of the show. I'm like so proud of everybody in it, you know, but it does feel like watching like it. that's not the same Leslie I'm talking to like on the phone as I'm watching it. Right. Like that's that's us five years. This is weird time capsule of these kids that I feel very proud of. <laughs> I mean, when they first talked to you about filming a version of Hamilton, uh, you didn't you didn't know when it would air or anything like that at the time. But what did you think? Um, I mean, it was Tommy Kale who broached the idea and said, I mean, they they presented it super low key. Also, it was like, look, just, you know, we really want to capture this cast for posterity. Like it, 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 it was definitely pitched as like an archival recording, except that they uh, assumed they might sell it one day. And, uh, but it's Tommy Kale. Like, I kind of just trust that dude. For for me, um, so much of the experience with Hamilton was so new um, that I just felt very fortunate to have guidance from folks like Tommy and like Lynn and and all all of the cast who like so many just kind of Broadway veterans Mm -hmm. in there that I, I felt very comfortable just being like, yes, if you say this is what we should do, then this is what we should do. And I have, I have no evidence to the contrary. So, uh, let's do it. But, you know, I knew Tommy was directing it and he, I, I, that guy's a genius. So. (laughs) I mean, the, the film has received so much praise for being filmed so inventively. It's, it's more than just a filmed play. When you were shooting it, did you take any special considerations for the home audience or was it just like performing a regular show to you? Uh, I mean, slight differences, but they were all sort of directed differences for me. I know some some folks were much more people who had done more TV stuff or film stuff or had had 
technique for dealing with the camera being in your face, but I just didn't. So I just was trusting my, uh, again, like trusting the surrounding cast and my directors to tell me if something looked terrible. But, um, the you know, there was only really one day of close-up work and mm-hmm. the real brilliant thing about the way that it was shot was we did just do the show three times and then plus one day of close-up work and there was an audience in there. So we got to perform it the way that we would perform it for, you know, it was, it was important to try the thing that we were trying to capture was what it was like to feel it from the audience. Cause it was a totally batshit crazy, like experience being on stage. It, it was such a, also by that time, cause the album was out and everything like it was, people were losing their minds in there. Um, and so to try and figure out a way to capture that energy on film is, is, would have been impossible, I think, without real people there. So I was very glad that we just got to, my instructions were to do my show. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that there was an audience for the pickup shots. I, did you do the show? Not for the pickups. Oh, okay. So, but three of the four, right. So one day of pickups and then the other three days we shot were there was an audience there and there were, you know, those crane cameras are just, they just took out a row of audience and so, like, there are these cameras flying over people's heads while they're <laughs> while they're sitting there watching the show. I can't imagine what those shows were like to see, but the energy was crazy. So, the one day of pickup shots, you did you do the show through continuously or just no, jumped around? Very, yeah, Tommy was really specific about here are the shots I know I want to get mm-hmm. up close. And how strange did that feel to like, you know, be jumping out of order? And especially because, like you said, at the time you you hadn't done a movie. I always have to remember that Wonder was your first movie. And that wasn't that yeah. long ago. Yeah, uh, it was. Um, it was odd, but not um, not difficult. Again, like so much care was taken to make sure that that we were aware that they were really trying to capture the thing that we do. So, you know, there was some modulation. I'm a very like energy driven actor, particularly on stage. And like, I'm very, I'm like very audience aware um, in terms of like energy management, that's the rapper in me, right? Like when you, when you play a rap show, it's about, it's really about energy modulation. And then like when you, when you're doing a play, it's about, story making sure stories landing over time but the nice thing about a musical is you get to do both and uh so it was for me a lot of the process for the close-up work was trying to just make sure that i was feeling the same way that i would feel if there were you know 1200 people in there or whatever just remember what that moment felt like uh to try to replicate that so that it would match up with whatever why they were using but um, like it was super focused, you know, so it, it didn't feel too out of body for me. <laughs> Can you tell like when you watch it, like a specific moment or scene that was where there was no audience? Cause it blends together so perfectly. I can't, but I also haven't watched the whole thing. If I'm being what? Honest, I can't watch myself. So I skip all my parts. <laughs> you can't watch yourself ever? Not ever. But with that one, uh, I, I just, I don't know. 
have a weird complex about it. So. It's not unusual. A lot of yeah. actors feel that way. Yeah, especially coming from stage where you don't ever get to see yourself, really. Yeah, and I have such a, I just know it's not going to be what I think it is. Not that it won't be good, but like I, I know what that show felt like and I don't know what it's like to watch myself do it. And I, I, I don't know, there's not, you don't have many of those in your life. So I'm also a little bit protective of it, I think. Mm. One day I'll get to it where I just watch all of my things. And, and I've seen like the big, all of the group numbers and everything. I just like, I've, I've literally skipped any solo that I had. Really? <laughs> so you haven't seen the opening of act two where you emerge as Thomas Jefferson? I haven't watched What Did I Miss? Uh, wow. Yeah. Really? You're the only person who hasn't watched that. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe I'm just being like disagreeable or something. I, it's not that I don't, I just like, I'll, I'll get to that point and just get this feeling. that's like, Oh, I actually don't. I, I'm fine with the the compilation of events that exist in my head of what that mm -hmm. moment felt like. And I don't want to set this other thing as it, you know, and I'm not that way about my film stuff and my TV stuff. I watch those because I feel like I'm I'm learning from them. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't always enjoy it, but I watch them because I feel like there's I, I'm still learning so much about the form there. And so I can look at a moment and be like, oh, I thought I was doing this. And what that reads like is this, you know, but with the play, the whole magic of it to me is that I, I, I never have to see it. And so like, I, I'm just not ready to break that wall yet. You're the one person who hasn't watched Hamilton. It would seem <laughs> all the way through. I've seen it. I've seen it live without myself in it. A bunch That's of right. Times, you have. How really, surreal really is good. that? Oh, I, I love it. I'm also not really from the musical world, right? And so the thing about plays is like the joy of it is seeing another production of it that is totally different and like, you know, even a different take on directing. And it's, there's this interesting thing about Broadway where like the the show that gets that tours is like a as close to a what people mm -hmm. are trying to replicate is the experience of seeing the original production. So that's a little weird. But the nice thing about Hamilton is it doesn't really work unless the artist brings their real self into it. Like that's actually the secret sauce of it. So generally you get to watch people do their own thing, which is really nice. Um, so I love watching the show and I don't feel like I don't recognize it as a thing I was doing. It's like watching another show. You know? uh, how many times do you estimate you've seen the show without yourself in it? Oh, I don't know. A bunch. Um Quite a few, because I saw the San Francisco company a lot uh, and in L.A. a few times. And then I've seen it in London and I've seen it in New York a few times. So I don't know, probably 15 or 20 times. I'm, I'm impressed you could get tickets. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes I've had to watch from like backstage on the monitors. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy, but I can't always get in the audience. <laughs> um, how does it feel to be the guy who made Thomas Jefferson so cool? Like, he just epitomizes cool in, the, in this uh, play. Well, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson's, you know, he's a piece of shit, but he does <laughs> think that he is cool. And so, like, I'm I'm proud that, that uh, I, I think it is, <laughs> there is some sort of odd poetic justice in that I do think that is a pretty accurate portrayal of what I imagine Thomas Jefferson feels about himself, except in the body and voice of a black man, which would drive him fucking insane. And so I, I do think there's something lovely about that. Very, there's a whole, there's a whole like twilight zone moment there that's going on that, that gives me a, a lot of joy. Um, but I, it, you know, I think, um, 
what's night what has been gratifying is that and this is the thing about contextualizing everything right i've i've liked the discussion that i'm seeing you know the rare occasion that i glance at my social media from kids who like came across hamilton and and love thomas jefferson and then go and research thomas jefferson and then have very conflicted feelings about thomas jefferson i think that's awesome that's that's what we're here for you know so well, Frederick Douglass has always been cool, but you made him even cooler in Good Lord Bird. <laughs> Are there any historical figures next for you to play? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think that was going to be my jam, you know. Um, <laughs> but people do send them to me now. I'm, I'm trying, really? trying to do less and less of that. But uh, but yeah, no, Frederick Douglass is another great one. Um like similar muscle, but sort of in the opposite direction, right? That like the idea to uh, sort of undeify a person who uh, who we we hold up on a on a kind of an unfair pedestal, who we don't allow to be a person because their work is so important. Kind of you know one of the things I believe in my life is that like when you can also accept people's flaws and when you can accept people as potentially ridiculous and laughable too, as well as brilliant, it it makes all of their work more important and also all of our work more obvious and possible and necessary. Right. Cause I, I, I'll never, I'm not, if I'm trying to be a statue, I'll never be able to be that. But if I uh, am trying to live up to the accomplishments and deeds of another very flawed human being, Oh, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can still do something important in my life. Was there any hesitation when they sent you Frederick Douglass? Did, did you kind of think like, oh, I <laughs> I don't know that it would be a bad thing to get typecast as historical figures, but, you know, did, did you stop and think for a second? It didn't, um, only because I, you know, Ethan Hawke gave me the, the novel, The Good Lord Bird, first mm-hmm. and said, I want you to play Frederick Douglass, but read this take on Frederick Douglass. It's a, it's a different one and like not everybody would be okay with it. But McBride's, James McBride's novel is one of the best things I've ever read. And so at that point, once I read it, you could have offered me anything. I would have dressed up like a tree and stood in the background of that. Like if, if, I, if there was any way I could be useful in trying to uh, bring that story to life in a way that is was true to the feeling of reading the novel. And that's one of the things I love about the series is it just uh, it, it it does it. it it hits the tone that is so difficult to hit. And when you, I don't know, everybody should read it also. If you haven't read The Good Lord Bird, go read it. It's, I have never laughed so much uh, about something so serious. <laughs> you know. I keep trying to tell people that it is a very funny show in a, in a dark way. Um, and the good news is you can watch the show and read the book and they complement each other, but they don't feel repetitive. Right. Yeah. I, I have the same experience with it, so, which is great. Speaking of Ethan Hawke, you're nominated, nominated against him at the SAG Awards. Have you been like trash talking each other, sending texts, <laughs> you know? No, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm just happy Ethan's getting recognized for that performance because I watched him do it and it is nothing short of amazing. I mean, the transformation he's going through and just like also like that man has given us so much. Um, there was this interesting, Leslie used to say this about Hamilton all the time, like that, cause you know, everybody came to see that show and then would come backstage and you're meeting all of these people who are sort of heroes of yours. And he would always say, these people have given us so much it's and like what a rare experience to be able to give something back to them. Um, 
and that, you know, the sort of one of the many things I take with me from the, my, my little bit of work on the good Lord bird was that like, I, I got to help Ethan make a thing. And that guy, like, I, I, I still watch everything he does and like every performance I learned something from he's, I, I mean, he's such just like a dedicated, incredibly talented, but really like incredibly hardworking um, actor who is just does amazing things all the time. So I just, I am very glad that he's being recognized for that role. Uh, he, he certainly deserves it. And it, it was as amazing and transformational as it is to watch on the screen, it was like seeing it in person is a whole other thing. Those scenes that I'm having with him is li- are literally me just holding on for dear life, just like trying to try like, oh man, this guy is going to blow me straight off of this set if I don't if I don't come back with it. And that's the that's what you want all the time in a scene partner. Uh, you talk about the, all the people who came to see Hamilton, and we've talked about this before, but the night that I saw it for the first time, it was like Bernie Sanders, America Ferrara, um, Craig Robinson was there, John Favreau was there. Like, it, is that a normal night, or did I just happen to be there on, like, a crazy night? No, it was always Mad Libs <laughs> out there. It was just, like, <laughs> insert celebrity like insert musician insert writer insert critical thinker politician whatever like it was uh, you just pretty much every night was like that i hate to ask you to pick favorites but who were some of the most thrilling people to meet oh man yeah you know the obamas uh like you know the second time you meet the obamas is a trip right like that's (laughs) (laughs) you say right like i would know (laughs) (laughs) um no, that I mean, that might be the top of the of it for me. But like, you know, MC Hammer was a huge one for me. I'd say that all the time. But like when, when people from Oakland ended up in there, I was like, whoa, you know, the, that kind of blew my mind. All of my like rap world heroes, Busta Rhymes came a lot down at the public when we were still like and he yeah, he came one time and sat in the front row wearing all of this gold jewelry that the lights were, you know, it's the public. So it's not like, you know, he's right here. And like, um, and it, and it like couldn't have been comfortable. And he's all the way off, like house right in the corner in the front. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess someone at intermission offered to like move him back to like, what would be a better seat somewhere in the middle of the thing. Cause he's Busta Rhymes. And he was like, nah, I want to be in it. And then afterwards he came downstairs and just sort of, regaled us with praise for and told stories and everything in the green room for like 90 minutes and then would just come back would just come back and catch part of it or like come you know like to and that guy like i studied that man's work so much when i was younger when i was starting out rapping like when disaster strikes extinction level event was such a big deal for me i can't like i probably still have every word of that album memorized uh and so and there was one point where we're on um, Broadway now, and this is the cra- this is the crazy Hamilton shit, right? And then uh, Riggs Morales, who um, was at Atlantic and did a lot of is responsible for a lot of the work that happened with the cast album and with all the remixes and stuff. Um, Riggs hits me up. He like texts me. He's like, "Hey, come to this studio after the show. Chance the rappers in here recording." And he like wants to meet you and so I was like oh great I had never met Chance before and like me and Chris Jackson go over there 
and we're hanging out in the studio with Chance and Riggs comes in. He's like, wait, wait, come upstairs for a second. We go to another studio upstairs and Buster Rhymes is in there uh, working on Extinction Level Event 2 that just came out. And he played us that whole album. This is four or five years ago now. We were there till like three in the morning, just like listening to and a bunch of other songs that didn't make the album. Uh, and it was such a, oh man, it was just this once in a lifetime experience getting like watch one of my heroes be excited about something he was making right now in real time. Like what a crazy, you couldn't have told me I was gonna have to go to Broadway to get that experience, you know? That's some, <laughs> that's some very, I did not know that. <laughs> when he was in the front row, was his, was the gold jewelry distracting? Does, does that like catch your eye or? No, man. I mean, like, it, you just knew it was him, you know, yeah. it was just, it was distracting if you knew it was Busta Rhymes. Uh, so it was maybe more distracting for some of us than others. But like, that was the great, you know, the, I prefer small theaters. I don't, you know, I, I like that experience. I like the experience of like, the awareness that we're all in this thing together and that it actually takes all of us to make this show work and not, not just the people on stage. And so I, I like the feeling that we can see each other, you know. Well, when you said 1,200 seats, I actually kind of caught me off guard because uh, it does feel so intimate, yeah, you know, Richard even Rogers when you're in a giant very, theater. Yeah. Richard Rodgers is a very intimate theater, and it was all staged and lit, you know, every part of that. The, the sound design and the the set design and the lighting design, everybody, um, you know, shout out to Howell, thank the rest in peace. But the, uh, the yeah, every part of that was designed to get you to lean in, you know, and to make it feel like you were right there. So, well, I also had really good seats, not to brag, but <laughs> I had better seats than Bernie Sanders. Let me put yeah. it that way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I sort of joked early on that you're having a good 2021, but you actually had a pretty good 2020. Clipping had another album, and th this has to be a childhood dream. You get to work with Sesame Street and the Muppets. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> I can't, like, I, I'm also, like, nervous about what I can say about that experience because I don't want to break the magic for anybody yeah. because they also don't break it while you're there what? really i mean like they you know it's not like you don't see the people get in and out of the thing but there's these performers are so transformational and what they're doing in those puppets is impossible the when you when you actually find out how big bird works it will mess your whole mind up nobody should be able to do that it is the most like out of body weird thing i've, I've ever seen somebody do um, but it's totally believable. And the only time it's at all, feels at all strange is when they are not embodied, when they're sitting on the stand, like waiting to go on. But like once any of the performers get their hands on, on it or, or get the costume on, it's like, I spent hours on a couch with Cookie Monster, just like talking, just like coming up with sitcom ideas for the two of us like like <laughs> just me and cookie like in, like I, you know <laughs> it was it was so cool i cannot i cannot overstate how cool it was <laughs> like the cookie monster people are in character the whole time like talking to you having conversations yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> that's amazing that's got to be a dream come true totally unreal um and just like 
every performer who's working on Sesame Street just deserves all of, however much you respect them, dial that up even more. It is, they're so incredible and so joyful and so like gracious and nice, but like the things they're doing are like, will melt your brain, they're so difficult. Uh, And how cool is it to be part of the Mr. Noodle family? I don't know if you've met Bill Irwin, but I, I, you, I have to imagine you worship him. Yeah, I mean, he's a, a legend. And yeah, I met him totally separately of the Mr. Noodle stuff. He, he did a, he used to do shows in San Francisco a lot. Like he'd do solo shows there um, at the Marsh and stuff. So I think I met him after one of those. Wow. But yeah, I mean, getting to do that was really cool. It was also, that was in a time when I was running around. We shot all, everything I did as Mr. Noodle, we shot in one day in like nine hours straight of like nonstop, just like do a little bit, change costumes, do a little bit, change costumes, do a little bit. And so, and then I had to go straight from there to the like premiere for the get down was also that night. And I had just flown into New York that morning on a red eye because I'd been shooting Blackish the night before, like until late. So I, it was like one of those days. So the actual doing of that is pretty out of body. And that like freestyled uh, rubber ducky song was actually because I couldn't remember the words to rubber ducky. I was so tired. Really? <laughs> so you started freestyling? I was just like, I'm just gonna just, and we, and we had no time left. I was like running out the door and they were like, we really got to get you to sing rubber ducky. And I was like, I cannot do that, but turn the camera on. <laughs> I was like, are we good? Are we good? Okay, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> I love that exhaustion can lead to such creativity. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on some of your other stuff and, and I know there's a lot, but um, one of my favorite new shows of last year was Central Park where uh, you voice Same. Helen. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Such a great show. Did you actually get to work with Stanley Tucci? Like were you in a room together or do you do it all separately? No, we've all, yeah. I have a session today right here. For uh, season two? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember what we're doing right now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, right after this, I think. Um, but no, we've never been in the same room. And, uh, and the first time we ever even were sort of on a Zoom together was like doing press. We had like the, the press day for Central Park together. But I got, to, I got to nerd out on him there and how amazing I think he is. And also that his film, his indie film, The Imposters, is so important to me. Uh, <laughs> and I rewatched it again recently and still love it. But like, I saw that in theaters probably like three or four times. And I told him that and he was like, oh, you were the only one. <laughs> I, w- I, I love that movie so much. I can't believe you said that because he was on this podcast two weeks ago. And he said that occasionally people will bring up that movie and say that they think it's great. And he accuses them of having escaped from a mental institute. And I'm like, <laughs> it's a wonderful movie. What are you talking about? And he just, he just feels that he didn't succeed as a director uh-huh. of that film. And I disagree. And I'm so happy to hear so. you do too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I still think it's great. Um, I think it's fantastic. And I think time, he's like, being silly. Was, I think so too. And it also like, whatever your feelings about it are, Stanley, um, it was, <laughs> it's incredibly important to see that something like that could still be pulled off. I, mm-hmm. I grew up on like Abbott and Costello and, you know, I was like, as a, as a little kid, like watching old classic comedies that is, uh, and like a lot of that is why I'm a musician. A lot of that is all, the, you know, like the, the timing of the thing is the, the part of a scene that I obsess over and like, 
especially when that came out, you didn't see that in movies no. very often. And so to have him bring it back and have those scenes work was, I still remember that. And I think about it all the time because we're, we're making blind spotting the TV show right now and I'm not in it, but like even from behind the scenes, I, I referenced that a lot in terms of like trying to make sure we get the pacing of a scene right on the day, even if we're going to cut it up later, because if it could exist in the wide, it should, mm-hmm. uh, or it should have the opportunity to. And if we push in for, reasons of emotional connection I get that but like what I really learned from that film and I think the reason I watched it so much when I was a teenager was because everything plays like a play but it still works well keep telling him you love it because I think he's just being self-deprecating but I (laughs) love that movie um you also have you you worked with one of my favorite directors Ted Melfi in The Starling I I do like woefully little in The Starling but man Ted what a brilliant dude and uh and that script is so beautiful i cannot wait for people to see this movie and everything i've seen of of how it's shot also and i haven't watched the whole thing yet but like um i mean it's shot on film it's gorgeous it's like and uh melissa is i just everybody and it's so so good I'm I'm very excited to watch that movie. <laughs> Can you talk about who you play, or is it sort of not out there yet? I have no idea, so maybe. I'll <laughs> so to be moment. safe, okay. <laughs> Can you say anything about the Little Mermaid? You're playing Sebastian. I'm playing Sebastian. Yeah, I mean that's another one where just like, again, I'm really excited. I'm so like, I'm honored to be a part of it, um, but like it's one of these things that. I'm so excited to watch because really I'm a voice actor on there. You know, I mean, like for the most part, that's essentially my gig. But I I was, you know, just watching all of these. I I got to be there and like play scenes with with the actors, like while everybody was doing it. And and, you know, and and we rehearsed it like a like a play, which was so, so wonderful. And Rob you know, comes from that world, mm-hmm. the musical theater world. And we, and that's how it was put together. And so to, on a movie, to get to have that kind of time with, with your fellow actors and really like build scenes and to put that much care and energy into my performance, even though I wasn't, you weren't going to shoot me, you know, like, like it, it was really amazing. And and the, the thing that I am so excited to watch how it came out is that like his process for making that was just unbelievable there are things i cannot tell you about yet but like when you see them the the stuff they're trying to pull off for under the sea is like (laughs) we have the little like you know presentation like art department like this is what we're doing now and like all the different departments did their little like presentations and everybody in the room is just like jaw on the floor the whole time it it is there's so many bold beautiful swings being made with this film and um, and Haley is I, just like oh. a star. I mean, like, the, I, it's, I don't know. The things she can do with her voice is just like, what it's, it is unbelievable. And I'm, I'm so excited for everybody to see it. Have you seen what you look like as a crab yet? I don't know if, oh, <laughs> is, is, did they, did they take any sort of reference off of your appearance or is it, cause you didn't do mocap for it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we, I, I can't, I don't think okay. I can't tell you, I think I have to <laughs> but, 
I think like, um, and I haven't seen anything. I've only seen, like I've seen the character design, but I haven't seen yeah. it in motion yet. So it's hard oh, to okay. know. It's hard to know. Well, your uh, Central Park co-star, Titus Burgess, was Sebastian on Broadway. I don't know if he yeah. gave you any tips or... Yeah, yeah. No, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't get to talk to Titus about it. I should have hit him up and asked him for tips. But yeah, I mean, you know, Titus is a is a, a force of nature. <laughs> what an incredible performer. Like, um, and he's so good on Central Park. Oh, so good. So good. And in everything. Has he ever done any... Have you ever seen him do anything that you weren't just kind of blown away by? Like, I don't know. No, <laughs> even like his little Instagram videos, he's yeah. are brilliant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Literally, even just like walking past him on the street, I still seem <laughs> to come away from that experience a changed person. <laughs> That's amazing. And you, uh, you're on or you're in town to do season three of Snowpiercer. Yes. Um, tell us everything that happens in the new season. <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's TV. I'm getting the scripts just a little bit before y'all see them. That's not true, but but you know, I'm in real time. So even if I could tell you, I could only tell you about episode one right now. But uh, it's it's definitely. Sometimes I look at that show, and I'm like. I'm exhausted. There's so much happening on that show. And I keep being like, well, they did it. They found the upper limit of what you can, of things that you can do. And then somebody in the writer's room says, hold my beer. And here we go again. And like season three is going to be a, an insane roller coaster, but it makes it, it is never dull to shoot. Um, and again, like I've been really fortunate in my career thus far to continuously get to work with great people. Like I can't really point to a thing I've done and been like, oh, I was a bunch of assholes. Like I, I, I don't have that. And folks working on this show are just unbelievable people and make it really wonderful to come to work every day. So. That's so great. Um, I'm so happy that you are so busy and everything's going so well. I want to throw out a recommendation for Velvet Buzzsaw, if people haven't seen it. You're yeah. wonderful in that. Oh, I think that's a fantastic, fun movie. <laughs> anything uh, Anything you want to suggest people seek out? Oh, man. Nah, I don't know. I, I think most people guys. see your stuff because it's yeah. generally pretty huge. So Yeah. If you haven't seen The Good Lord Bird, I would say watch it. That thing is... it's. It's really a ride. <laughs> but yeah. Well, you were the reason my mom finally had to break down and get a Disney Plus subscription so that she could see you in Hamilton <laughs> and well worth it. So we will we will let Disney know that you are personally right. responsible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, I, need, I need them residuals just from your mom. That's David Diggs. Hamilton is now streaming on Disney+, Plus, while The Good Lord Bird is available on demand via Showtime and Season 2 of Snowpiercer is now airing on TNT. At just eight years old, Minari star Alan S. Kim has melted hearts with his portrayal of David, the youngest son of actors Stephen Yun and Yeti Han on screen. Just this week, Kim won the Critics' Choice Award in the Young Actor or Actress category, and his tear-filled acceptance speech immediately took over social media, bringing some joy to the Internet's usually dark places. Variety Senior Artisans editor Jazz Tankay recently spoke with Kim about filming in Oklahoma, working with Stephen Yun, and his next role. He also shares his favorite movie and a few more of his favorite things, and yes, he was as adorable as you would hope. 
Jazz began by asking the young actor how he was feeling after winning the Critics' Choice Award. I felt really nice. The reason why I cried, I'm not sure if I had a reason, but I felt a lot of emotions at once, and then it just burst into tears, I guess. It's pretty significant and emotional and, you know, big, and everybody was so happy for you. Yeah. So where are you going to put your Critics' Choice Award when it arrives? Probably in the living room where I put my Rotten Tomatoes certified thing and my SAG SAG Awards nomination. That's the living room, and it's right next to the TV, so, yeah. Oh, I love that. Are Are you enjoying, you know, this awards? This is... You know, Minari was your first movie and, you're, you know, it's getting a lot of love, a lot of recognition. Are you enjoying this part of promoting the film, the awards campaign? I guess, yeah, I guess so. Um, it makes it really nice, the interviews. I get to speak with new people almost every day. And, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Minari. So the film was actually shot in Oklahoma in summer. What was that like for you to be filming in Oklahoma in the summer? Hot. Nothing more than hot. It was like 90-something and then 100 degrees. I don't know, just a bunch of heat. It's like when you're staying at the hotel, it's nice, refreshed. You're like, ah, when you go out, you have a burst of heat that makes you sweat the instant you go out almost. It's a good job. The costume designer, Susanna, put you in shorts then, right? Yes. There was actually not a lot of long sleeve pants, but there was long sleeve pants. I love Every that. room had to be like well conditioned, like a fan needs to be there in the room in the trailer, and then there had to be like there was an air condition at the church place. Yeah, there was just a lot of places with air conditions. That's what you need, a- a- air conditioning. Um, so what was it like? doing those scenes you have such a great dynamic with you know Sunja what was it like acting alongside her having her play your grandmother it was really nice she actually was actually very nice and yeah and you know I'm sure you've been asked this a million times but do you actually like Mountain Dew yes Isaac actually gave me Mountain Dew for the first time. So I guess shout out to him for introducing me Mountain Dew. That's great. What about, you know, Steven Yeun is incredible as, you know, in the movie. What was it like working with him? He was actually really nice. Yeah. He actually gave me a book. My sister is right now reading it. So I sadly cannot read it right now, but can't wait to read it. Are you allowed to share the title? It's called The Neverending Story. I'm not sure who the author was. I didn't read it, but yeah. 
Oh, it's so good. It's an, they also made it into a movie. So once you've read the book, you and your sister should watch the movie. Oh, I like sneak peeked at it and each chapter has a different story. Exactly, exactly. But it's like, really good. Yeah, like one chapter is Jack and the Beanstalk. And then the next is, um, well, the Three Little Pigs. Kind of like that, for example. Oh, okay. Well, you'll have to read, read it and let everybody know what you think of it. Um, does Stephen give good hugs? That is the question the internet would like to know. Yeah, he also gave also good jokes. Like in the pee scene where I pee in, there's actually two pee scenes. There was a lot of pee scenes, actually. Um, I sleep on the bed and then I wet myself. And then... Uh, my pants got wet, so we put in the air conditioner so it would dry out and put on another pair. And then Steven's like, whose pants is this? So that was really funny. Sounds like you had a lot of fun times when you weren't filming. Yeah, it actually was. Do you have a favorite memory from filming? Do you mean like on set or off set? Offset, off camera. Um, I guess like when offset, Stephen and I would do these eating contests while when because I was such a slow eater, and I guess I always lost. And I did like some hand games, Korean hand games with Yeti and we, me and Noel would play games like Tom Hero Dash or watch Captain Underpants. Uh, Captain Underpants is great. It sounds like you, you're a bit of a joker, like you like to play pranks on people. Well, I mean like not pranks, but I like to scare people more. I can like slide out of this chair right now if you're not looking. <laughs> Disappear, but still talk? Yes. You can go ahead and slide down and disappear. Okay. Slides. Bill. Well, that's, that's scary. How did you learn your lines for the film? Like, what was that process? Who, who helped you learn your lines? My mom. My mom was actually the only one who came with me. My dad and my sister went to like around around New York too, and my sister was going to audition for Young Elsa on the Broadway Frozen Broadway Frozen National Tour. Man, that's a long sent. That's a long title. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and did she did she get the part or? Yeah, she got the part, so, like, that was, like, right after the day, or was it two days after I went home from Tulsa, Oklahoma, to California? So, yeah. And let's talk a little bit about your favorite things. Like, what's your favorite movie? Well, probably next to... 
Well, probably next to Minari is Harry Potter, and then next to that is Sonic the Hedgehog, and next to that, the Parent Trap, maybe? I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you mentioned Harry Potter. I'm British, and I love Harry Potter. Which house would you be in if you were at Hogwarts? Well, I took like this, like this kind of test on the computer, and it said I was in Gryffindor. So yeah, Gryffindor. Okay, I, I apparently every test I've taken, I'm in Hufflepuff. Oh, who's your favorite wizard in Harry Potter? Harry Potter. <laughs> Can you do an English accent? I mean, like, I can do a little bit of a British accent, but I mean, it's bad. <laughs> All right. So what about who's your favorite actor? You're not allowed to say, say Stephen. Like the W Magazine, um, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic, Okay. And what do you prefer most? Do you prefer Mountain Dew or orange soda? Mountain Dew. Absolutely Mountain Dew. Nothing else than Mountain Dew. And what about ice cream? Vanilla or chocolate? Man, that's hard. I like vanilla and chocolate. That's a tough one, right? Well, there's this ice cream mix where it's around like chocolate and vanilla so I actually like that. Okay. And what next up for you, you're in a movie called Latchkey Kids, which I'm very excited for. What can you tell us about Latchkey Kids? Well, it's been a long time since I've auditioned, so I can't exactly remember what the story is about, but... I can't remember what latchkey kid means. So latchkey kid means like, well, a kid who comes home, home alone, and he or she basically takes care of himself or herself. Right, exactly, whilst, the, whilst they're waiting for their parents to come home. So, okay, if you were home alone, what would you be doing? With no parents, no adults around? I actually done that once with only my dog, and so I was actually just watching my iPad. <laughs> I would probably be watching the TV or playing games, random things that a normal kid would do and get into some good mischief. Oh, you have a mischievous side. Yes. And you mentioned your dog, Cream. You call him your brother. Yes, Cream is actually like a little brother. He actually kind of acts like a little brother. He acts like a human. So as if if we're take for example, if I if I were to be taking a picture, Cream would be like sitting right next to my mom, be like, "Can I go next to take the picture?" He wants to be in all your photos. Okay, last question for you, Alan. If you could star with anybody in the world, movie star, anything, who who would that be? Actually, I'm okay with anybody. If I work with someone famous, I'm going to be, oh, cool, this is my partner. Yay, nice. Yeah. Alan, thank you so much for that fabulous and fun conversation. 
You too. Thank you so much. That's Alan S. Kim from the film Minari, now available via On Demand. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Awards Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Awards Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head over to Variety.com and click on the Awards Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tankay, Clayton Davis, and Michael Schneider, I'm Janelle Riley. We'll see you on the circuit. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.